So hi everybody, welcome to our podcast. Uh, today we're going to be talking about something from a book called The Tanin Show, and it's about what's a true teacher or a good teacher, and what's a false teacher or a bad teacher. So my name is Roland Ikuda, uh, and I'm a physician, um, but I'm studying Buddhism through a place called the uh, Institute of Buddhist Studies. Uh, I am a physician, but I've also done something called Tokudo, uh, which is the first level ordination. And joining me today is Jeff. Do you want to introduce yourself, Jeff? Yeah, hi, I'm Jeff Haynes. Um, yes, as Roland mentioned, I'm also studying at the Institute of Buddhist Studies. I uh, went through the first uh, level of ordination at Tokudo in uh, Kyoto, Japan. I, as an occupation, am a teacher, and I've been doing that for 18 years. So I think it's appropriate we're talking about teachers today. Um, let me just explain a little bit about our podcast. So what we wanted to do was we wanted to talk about Buddhism in everyday life. And the way we thought we would do that is just generally talk about subjects, but try to incorporate stories to reflect how Buddhism affects us in everyday life. Does that sound good, Jeff? Sounds good to me. So Jeff and I are taking this course, and it's all about this book called The Tanin Show. So, Jeff, maybe you can just briefly explain the Tanin Show and read the passage, which is passage six out of that book. Yeah, so the Tanin Show is uh, considered a Shin Buddhist classic. Um, it's not written by Shinran Shonen himself, but a, uh, uh, a follower of his from that time period, and pretty much a recollection of some of his conversations and uh, the teachings that Shinran had based on his interpretation of the original Buddha um, and uh, the Nembutsu, which is uh, something very essential within the Shin Buddhist tradition. So in that course, we've been doing, uh, looking at different passages and, uh, of the Tanisho, and uh, today's one, uh, as Roland mentioned, we'll be looking at what is a true teacher versus a false teacher. So the section I'll read from the Collected Works of Shinran, uh, it begins, It appears that disputes have arisen among followers of the sole practice of Nambutsu, who argue that these are my disciples or those are someone else's disciples. This is utterly senseless. For myself, I do not have a, even a single disciple, for I brought people to say the Nambutsu through my own efforts, then they might be my uh, disciples. But it is indeed preposterous to call persons my disciples when they say the Nembutsu having received the working of Amida. We come together when conditions bring us to meet, and part when conditions separate us. In spite of this, some assert that those who say the Nembutsu, having turned from one teacher to follow another, cannot attain birth. This is absurd. Are they saying that they will take back the Shinjin given by Amida as if it belonged to them? Such a claim should never be made. If one comes to be in accord with a spontaneous working of the vow, Jinin, one will awaken to the benevolence of the Buddha and one of uh, one's teachers. Thus were his words. So before getting into things a little bit, I just should probably clarify a couple of terms or names we've used. So Shinran, Shinran Shonin is the um, founder of our sect of Jodo Shinshu Buddhism. He... Uh, lived about 750 years ago in Japan, and he's considered sort of the founder of our specific sect of uh, Buddhism, uh, and he's from Japan. 
Another term I'm going to try and clarify is Nembutsu, which is actually reciting the name of the Buddha. Um, basically, what it means is that we um, gratefully acknowledge, or what's the better term, Jeff? I take refuge in Amida Buddha, is how I would have understood it. So take refuge in Amida Buddha. And Amida Buddha is the central Buddhist figure that our sect and many Pure Land sects um, revere as the current, uh, or a Buddha to, uh, to look up to, I guess. Is that fair? Yeah, and I, I, I think, it, yeah, I think it's important to yeah. note, like, I mean, this is uh, yeah, an interesting topic of a discussion in and of itself, uh, other than today, but Amida Buddha, from my understanding, uh, is ultimate truth or uh, ultimate reality, um, that Shakyamuni, the original Buddha, uh, was awakened to. Great, thanks. Um, so let's get into things a little bit. So you're a teacher, Jeff. So what do you think it means to be a good teacher versus a bad teacher or a false teacher? What's your understanding of that? Yeah, um, it's interesting. When I first hear of teacher, the first thing, and I tell people that I'm a teacher, the first thing I see on their faces, depending on who they are, really is the baggage that a person brings with uh, what a good teacher is. So um, I always think in 18 years of teaching, um, every time you say you're a teacher, it all depends upon their experience. Uh, not everybody has had positive experiences with teachers. Uh, so the baggage that one brings uh, really weights what uh, they think of me as a teacher. So I guess my, my reason I bring that up is I think it's important that when I try to describe what I think a good teacher is, um, it's, there's a level of awareness that I think even the Buddhism has brought me even clearer to, is that when I'm describing it, I'm having to bear in mind all of the other baggage that people bring with their experience in education. Because um, teaching you know, and, and, and learning can be two separate things. Uh, so uh, when it comes to what is a true teacher or a good teacher, I always think when I first encounter people and tell them that I am a teacher, they, uh, depending on their experience in education, it really impacts how they're going to respond to me that I declared myself a teacher. So I guess the reason I say that is important to note that a true teacher, even in regards to Shin Buddhism, has a lot to do with people's experience already. Um, with either being taught or learning something. And so I guess for me, when I think of a true teacher, it does start. So an effective teacher, a good teacher would start with a relationship. Um, until you've established relationships with a person, if you have the intention of either teaching them something or helping them get through something, without them trusting or valuing that relationship, it's not going to go anywhere. So I would wonder with you as a physician, when you're working with a new patient, you must on some level, I guess, recognize that at some point you have to establish a relationship where they're going to trust you um, and what you're going to say. Is that Would that be correct? Oh, absolutely. Um, one of the things that I teach medical students and residents all the time is to try to establish that connection as one of the first things that you need to do when you see a patient. And um, the way I do it, and I try to make a real conscious effort of doing it, is to first talk to them and talk to them about who they are, who their family is, what's important in their life. 
And if you actually just even take five minutes at the first time you meet to make that connection, then um, definitely that trusting relationship is established better. Yeah, and I would agree. And like, it's interesting. You're in your experience. I assume there's not too many times where you have you know 25 people at once that you're trying to build a re- relationship with. But every year, um, that that in mind, I have to kind of figure out how I'm going to build those relationships with each student. Where you know at, le- at least it, it's not going to be maybe as each one has the the greatest relationship with me, but at least they feel that I'm not there to you know make their experience any more painful than it needs to be. And it, it does take time uh, in establishing that. Right. So what else is important to be a good teacher? Well, I, I mean, like I say, I think the, that, I mean, that is the probably the utmost. But then from there on out, um, I think it's like in my experience in education, um, a big thing is understanding what we're at- attempting to do um, with with the education system in and of itself. So I'm obviously hired to deliver a curriculum and not everybody's excited about that curriculum and and actually being in a school. I mean, we all know people that didn't enjoy being in school. We're waiting for it to be over. Uh, And as a teacher, I I guess I have to be aware of that. I have to be, you know, mindful that each student in front of me is coming with their own baggage, coming with their own experiences and and what they talk about at, at home. So I guess that leads to the next thing I would do after a relationship is being very patient. Um, as I'm getting to know the students, patient with how much they're going to deliver for me and uh, what we're going to do. I mean, it, it sounds like it should just be an easy job. Like here's, you know, uh, a formula. I'm going to show you how to use it and you do it. But in today's classrooms, it's it's a lot more than... Uh, than just delivering something they do what you've told. So there's a lot, an element of patience now as a teacher that becomes important. Anything else that you can think of, Jeff? Um, the other things that I, I personally use, and this is interesting too, I was thinking about it before we started this podcast on the topic. The assumption is that I'm a good teacher. <laughs> yeah, like, so we're, we're here having a conversation and really the only person that could really truly tell you, is he a good teacher, is the students that I've taught. Um, and, uh, I mean, I, I do have, do a lot of self-reflection on my practice in a classroom and try to figure out what, you know, did that work and didn't that work? What can I give and what couldn't I do? So, you know, again, I try to build those relationships. I have a, a lot of patience, uh, at least I think I do and, um, the flexibility. So, you know, what I'm going to expect from each, uh, student in a variety of subject areas, I have to be very flexible in, um, uh, what I'm going to get from them. Uh, and two other traits that I think often come up. Um, I use a lot of humor um, to try and, you know, keep everybody at ease in a relaxed environment um, to to then attack the work. And then it really comes down to uh, an effective teacher as being there. So just sitting down with the student and helping them. And so you, you can't teach from uh, your chair by your computer. Um, those days are gone. So... Uh, yeah, so I, I guess those would be the kind of the four characteristics of a true good teacher. Um, and be interesting to now think of how that might relate back to Shinran Shonen and, and even this passage in CWS. Or do we find those traits uh, coming out of that passage? How much do you think of teaching as kind of like an entertainer in front of, in, in front of your classroom? At this point, it's uh, almost full entertainment. Um, yeah. as, there was a quote... Uh, uh, education is uh, one part content, three parts theater. 
Um, and definitely, I, I feel like I'm uh, having to entertain, and and uh, I, I do that in my own in my own way to try and keep the kids engaged. So, in terms of my thinking about a teacher, you know, the thing that comes to my mind is my role models, right? So, so I think about people in my life who've really served as role models, and I really look at them as the people who've really taught me about life, uh, taught me about Buddhism, all those kinds of things. And, uh, you know, because my wife asked me this the other day, she said, well, who would you consider your role models right now? And it obviously changes depending on the time of your life and who's been in and out of your life. Um, I could cite, um, like, for example, our current professor, uh, Dr. Matsumoto, as being a role model because he's so um, knowledgeable about all these Buddhist teachings, and, and yet he conducts his classes as if, the students are actually teaching him rather than him uh, trying to teach us. It's, it's actually pretty cool. Uh, the other person that I think of as a role model is Akira. Um, so he's a member of our temple. He used to be our president. And he is such a patient and kind, uh, gentle person. He never says anything bad about anybody. I've never heard him utter a single bad word about anybody. He really serves as a sort of a role model for me. The only one I think lately was Donald Trump, but uh, that's another topic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's fair. Um, but the person that I think of foremost when I think about role models and a teacher is actually my dad. So um, I've got a couple of funny stories about my dad in terms of him as a role model. So my father was a Buddhist minister. He also ran a business called Edo of Japan. Um, it's a restaurant business. Um, but one of the things that I remember the most about my dad is uh, on his deathbed. So my dad passed away six, six years ago now. But when he was dying, he actually brought each of his kids in because it was a fairly long process. And he gave us sort of imparted some real wisdom, I guess it was, or he wanted to have sort of like a one-on-one -on -one chat with all of us. So it was kind of a cool thing. My younger brother, who's a minister as well, so his message to my younger brother was, uh, don't get in the way of the teachings of the Buddha. So as a minister, you know, you know, don't be the guy up there that's calling all the attention to yourself. You know, Be the finger pointing at the moon, but make sure people are looking at the moon and not the finger. And so I thought that was pretty cool that as my brother, you know, he got the messages, you know, be a good minister, but don't be the center of attention kind of thing. Um, the funny thing was, is when he was imparting his words of wisdom to me, he said, you know, as a professional and as a doctor, you shouldn't be chewing gum. So his comments to me were a little less um, deep than his comments to my brother. And was it that but, short as well? Well, uh, Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny. So... My brother got this really wise and deep message, and I got don't chew gum. But that was kind of funny. Um, and then the other thing that I was reflecting about my dad as a teacher is teachers always really influence you and actually can make you change your life course, as it were, or really change you. Um, and often you don't realize that influence. So one of the things I was thinking about, and I think I talked to you about this, Jeff, before, is, is that, you know, as we were going through this process of studying Buddhism and going through this Tokudo process, um, I really sort of wished my dad had been there. So when my dad was still alive, I had no idea I would be doing any of this. And 
so some of my self-reflections are, well, I wish he was here to see this. I wish he was here to help me. You know, the kind of thing where he had a lot of wisdom and a lot of knowledge about Buddhism, and it would have been great to just call him up or sit down and talk to him about this. But he wasn't around at all. He had passed away before I started this process. Um, but then when I was thinking about it, I thought, uh, actually, he is around. He's always constantly with me. His influence is there. He's probably a big reason about why I uh, went down this path, right? So it's all of his influences and his past uh, ideas that sort of got filtered onto me that made me sort of pursue this. Um, and then my next thought was, actually, he probably manipulated me to do this. Because I think about when I was actually going into med school. So this was uh, quite a long time ago, but I was in pre-med. After first year, I was really struggling because I didn't have enough uh, good marks. And uh, so I went home for the summer and talked to my dad about it. And uh, he basically told me, well, if it's this tough and if you're having this tough a time, maybe you should quit. Maybe you should give up on this dream and do something else like be a nurse or be something else. And uh, I remember my reaction to that. I was so mad. It was kind of like, well, you don't think I can do this? What the heck? You know, I went storming out of the house, went back to university, and my one thought for the first probably two months, it was constant on my mind, was I'm going to show him that I can do this, right? Um, and then it was about two years later that I reflected back and I thought, ah, uh, he got me. Like, he knew exactly what buttons to push to make me work harder. Uh, you know, he knew me so well that he knew if he said, uh, maybe it's too hard for you, that that would force me to, uh, force me to uh, study harder or work harder, and really it became sort of an impetus. It, it lasted for about two months, but it was about two years later that I realized, ah, uh, he had conned me into working harder. So then when I reflect back on my studying of Buddhism, I think, ah, uh, somewhere along the way, he manipulated me to think uh, I should do this. Interesting you say that because I was just, uh, well, I listened to that neat, really interesting story. It reminded me, my dad tried to do the, a similar thing, I believe now in high school, where uh, I was not doing well in math. I think I had a 47 in grade 12 math. I needed the credit to graduate, or I think it was grade 11. But my dad ended up saying to me, you know what, there's lots of jobs out there that don't require math. You know, and he tried to give me this list of like, you know, maybe lower, you know, lower pay work. And I, I think I looked at the list and I was like, you know what? You're right. I don't need math. So <laughs> ended up having the opposite for me. It didn't motivate me to really <laughs> delve further into my studies. I was like, great, thanks. I, I see that list. I'll take advantage of that. <laughs> That's pretty cool. But I think a true teacher, like a good teacher, is someone who can influence you and, and influences how you approach life and what you pursue in life. I think, to me, that's one of the biggest influences of uh, people that I think of as my teachers in the past. Uh, what about you, Jeff? Do you have role models in your life? Yeah, I was kind of thinking, as you were going, uh, you know, uh, listening and uh, making connections to my own experience as well. Like, for sure, like, definitely, obviously, early on in my life, I, I think of my parents and my brother and how they're, you know, have been, you know, quote-unquote teachers or influenced uh all my paths, um, especially early on and their support. I mean, I played a, my goal early on was to play basketball and, uh, they had severe influence and support and me trying to accomplish that goal. Um, 
But another interesting thing I was thinking of is how events can be teachers. Um, and so one of the big turning points for me uh, was 9-11. Uh, I remember being in university. Um, I'd say, you know, I was in my early 20s, still teacher's college, I guess it was. And I was still pretty naive about how the world actually worked. Um, and 9-11 occurred. And that was a huge catalyst for me to try to understand why that event took place, what the history behind it is, because everybody around me, their their responses were so varied and so intense, some calling for peace, some calling for violence. And I, I just didn't, I didn't even know where I stood, I guess, at the time. So that event was a teacher because it, it, it changed, it put me on a new path. So for example, out of that, my father-in-law read a book called 9-11, oddly enough, by Noam Chomsky. And I read the book and it just blew my mind. I did it, it, the way that he approached and explained things not only made total sense to me, but it changed everything that I thought about at that moment. And then I started reading as much as I could to understand and reading as much Noam Chomsky as I could get my hands on, printing articles off, um, you know, I read 500 interviews printed off by him. So he, he, it, that event changed the trajectory of my life to the point where for my, I did my master's in education focusing on anarchism and education, what education would look like with the philosophy of anarchism. And so that event uh, was a teacher in the sense that it, it changed how I saw and what I did. Uh, and I feel the same way now with, with, uh, with you know, Shin Buddhism or Buddhism in general. It became a teacher uh, for me, you know, in changing my pursuits, changing, influencing me, how I work at, at school, how I work with uh, people on the street. I'm constantly coming back to my uh, teachings that I've received um, from, you know, the original Shakyamuni Buddha and even Shinran Shonen. I think that's really interesting, Jeff, because you really wonder how uh, the current events that are happening with COVID-19 uh, and everybody, just so everybody knows, we're in right in the middle of the pandemic. And I think that that's going to have a huge influence on uh, how people are going to interact with each other in the future. And uh, what this is, this is just a paradigm changing time that we're in. So you talk about an event that occurred. I, I think for sure this is going to be one of those events. And maybe that's uh, a topic for future podcasts. I think that would be worthwhile. Speaking of uh, future podcasts, we're hoping to be able to uh, interview uh, Izumi Sensei. Uh, so that's our minister at the Buddhist Temple of Southern Alberta and talk to him about uh, 50 years of him being a minister. So ask him a whole bunch of questions. So that's up for the future. And that's be fascinating considering like, you're right, like the time we're in now and his span uh, prior to that will be would be a very interesting uh, discussion with him. And I was just thinking when you were saying that, uh, Naomi Klein says that, you know, in these times of of, of stress like we're experiencing, um, it's ideas that will, you know, what ideas we use moving forward. And it's really interesting to see what's going to come of this. Will, you know, this event teach us that we need to have a, a much more fluid you know, universal healthcare system in the world versus just, you know, localized to countries? Will it, what, what lessons will we get out of this moving forward of how we need to uh, 
support and, and you know and uh, lessen suffering in the world. I also find it really interesting that all of a sudden everybody's in a scramble right now to get content like this and other Buddhist teachings or other spiritual teachings in general up available on the internet on Facebook on all those other mediums so that we can stay connected with uh, everybody else. So maybe that's a topic for future uh, podcast. Uh, for sure. I, and I think like it's so true. I mean, I, even from my own personal experience, you know, going through a very stressful time at work um, led me to meditating, which then led me to finding more about Buddhism. Now, I guess my point is, it's when you kind of hit those rough patches that you, you know, you start to reflect on what you're doing and what it's leading towards. And this is a literally a global event uh, that, as you're saying, can lead a lot of people to self-reflect. And what's fascinating is in the time we're living in is the Internet. I always tell my students, like, when I was a kid, there was no Internet. If you wanted to get something, it was a hard copy or somebody you knew. But now you're right. We can all self-reflect and then go find something to um, to begin to help fill that uh, that void that may be missing or just to help explain things. Jeff, that's great. So maybe we can talk about that in a future podcast soon. So uh, nice talking to you. Excellent. Yeah, and I hope this uh, we'll be able to continue doing these. Sounds good. Take care.